Well, good morning, LifePoint. How are you guys doing today? It's fall. Okay, okay. I got to say, First Gathering has nothing on you right now. Nothing. Awesome. If I haven't met you, my name is Roy Conover. I am the care pastor here at LifePoint. So glad that you have joined us this fall, crisp fall morning. And for those that are joining us online or maybe watching this later, glad to have you with us. We are finishing our series today called He Hears Us. We've been in the book of Psalms. If you are just joining us, we've actually been doing a larger series that started in May, Bible in a Year. So we're working our way through the Bible. We're camping out in Psalms right now. So we'll be looking at Psalms today. Now, I do want to uh, just make this disclaimer today. Today's service is going to be a little bit different. Uh, If you are a Christ follower, you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Uh, I'm going to be giving you hopefully some things to think about, some uh, challenges, and certainly in terms of participation today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're not a Christ follower, you're just checking out who God is, then you just... um, we may feel like aliens to you today. And so I'm just going to say that. That's okay. Just uh, realize that we're going to, I'm going to be encouraging uh, you to do some things and participation as a way uh, that goes along with what we're talking about today. So this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at one of the Psalms and the title for this series. Actually, if you were with us two weeks ago, you know that I taught on Psalm 71 And I told you that Pastor Kyle had given me the message for that series, and it was terrible. I hated it. Uh, It was, you know, when you're old and gray, and I just thought, that's terrible. And so I renamed it. I shamelessly put a line through it. Actually, our media people did. Thank you very much. Uh, So if I'm going to give Pastor Kyle a hard time, then i got to give him props. I actually like the message for today, the title, so I'm not going to change it. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about all eyes look to you, and we're going to be looking at praising God as we're finishing this psalm series. So we're going to be on Psalm 145 today, and this uh, psalm is actually the last psalm that we know was written by King David, and it's the only psalm, interestingly, that is called a psalm of praise, which I thought was a little bit strange because so many of the psalms give God praise, but this is the only one identified as a psalm of praise. And so we're going to dig into a few facets uh, in Psalm 145 and and kind of more the practical how-tos of how do we praise God. So as we're looking at Psalm 145, King David, I'm not going to break down what verses these happen in, but I compiled a list of reasons that he gives us of why do we praise God. And so the first one is his greatness. We praise God simply because of his greatness. And if you were with us in uh, the beginning of our uh, going through the Bible in a year, we started in Genesis, and you don't go any further than Genesis than you realize God's greatness. Because here he is a God who existed before anything ever existed, before there was anything. And with a breath, he created the heavens and the earth. If that isn't greatness... I don't know what is. And then King David talks about God's grace, his goodness, and his compassion. And we see this even at the beginning of Genesis with Adam and Eve. And here they sin, they disobey God, and God removes them from the Garden of Eden. And yet God still provides a way for them 
to find their way back to him and to have relationship with him because our God is good and gracious and compassionate. But he's also a God of glory and might. And as we were reading in the Old Testament about Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and all of the plagues that happened and then parting the Red Sea, so a million people is, is what they uh, guesstimate left uh, Egypt and go on dry land through the Red Sea to their freedom. I mean, this is God's glory and might at work and lots of instances in the Bible that describe his glory and might. But also King David highlights his righteousness and his kindness. There's another psalm that says, it's your kindness that leads me uh, to you, God. It's your kindness. And so we, at, at every turn, even when we're walking through difficult circumstances, and David was someone who was acquainted with very difficult circumstances, still he was always mindful of God's kindness. And I think because this is his last psalm, what we see is some reflection going on in his life. And then he also talks about God's providential care because David was someone who was always in need of God's help and care and providing for his needs. So this just a, a, a small list here of the reasons why we praise the Lord that David highlights in Psalm 145. Now, uh, he breaks, and I want to break down the entire psalm uh, because I think in sections what we see are these different uh, when we praise the Lord. When are we supposed to praise the Lord? So the first uh, thing you'll notice when we praise the Lord that David talks about is day to day. In the first couple of verses, he says this. He says, I exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. And David knew what it was to live day to day, giving God thanks, even when his circumstances were difficult. You see this uh, after he gets anointed to be the next king. And so the current king, King Saul, is chasing after him, trying to kill him. This goes on a while. And in all of those daily occurrences, David is aware of God providing for his needs. And he is praising him every single day in spite of that. Now, when we praise the Lord is also generation to generation. David is recognizing the importance of this, certainly what he experienced growing up and who he knew God to be, and how do you pass that on to the next generation? In verses 3 to 7, he says this, The Lord is great and highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. Two weeks ago, when we were looking at Psalm 71, that was kind of a big focus. When the psalmist was middle-aged, maybe a little bit beyond, and he was looking toward retirement. But still, he was talking about forward thinking and telling the next generation. Here, David is uh, uh, doing the same thing. He says, I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power, speaking of the next generation, of your awe-inspiring acts. And I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your greatness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Do you see the play there? I will, they will, one generation to the next. And him trying to help us 
connect to that idea, the importance of us sharing with the next generation. So when do we praise the Lord? Uh, David also uh, tells us here, nation to nation, in verses 8 to 13, he says this. He says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. Everyone means everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of your glory, of your kingdom, and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. So it's so important, this idea that God's word, his love for all humanity is going to be heard by everyone. Uh, My wife and I support people who are into Bible translation for this specific reason, that every nation, every tribe, every tongue, everyone on the earth will hear about Jesus, the good news about God and his love for all people. And then King David says, when do we praise the Lord? He identifies need to need and our basic needs, and he knew what it was to be in need. In verses 13 to 16, he says this, The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. The Lord helps all who fall. He raises up all who are oppressed, right? And if you are falling or if you were oppressed in some way, there's something going on in your life. You have some kind of need. All eyes look to you, the one true God. Right? I mean, God is the one. Even when people are most desperate and say they don't believe in God, in that moment, all eyes look to the only one who can really rescue us. And you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And we know in uh, the book of Matthew, it talks about the fact that God, uh, you know, takes care of the birds and uh, clothes, the lilies in the field, that God takes care of basic things without people even having to do anything for it. So this is David identifying, and he knew what it was to be in need, and on the run, and fearing for his life, and God being there with him every step of the way. And then when do we praise the Lord? The last part of this psalm says prayer to prayer. We, we praise God And we come to him every time we pray. Look what he says here at the end of the psalm. He says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all his acts. The Lord is near all who call out to him, all who call to him with integrity. And as we've been reading in the Old Testament, how often the nation of Israel would be following God, then they would stray away and they would do their own thing and they'd get themselves in trouble and then they would cry out to God And God, being loving and gracious and kind, would come back to them, meet their needs, be there for them. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry for help and saves them. The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys all the wicked. My mouth will declare the Lord's praise. Let every living thing bless his holy name forever and ever. And... This is now where I want to make a little bit of a turn because David has been talking about why we praise the Lord and uh, when we praise the Lord. I want to shift uh, 
and talk about why we praise the Lord. And this is something that our worship team has been doing together over the last couple of months. We've been reading this book called Holy Roar by Chris Tomlin and Darren Whitehead. And it covers the seven Hebrew words for praise. And so the idea of how do we praise God? How do we praise him in our posture? How do we praise him with our words, with our attitude? And so this is going to be full participation this morning. I want to give you uh, permission to feel like you can fully participate as we're going through these and uh, even further into our time together. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But let's, let's go over these seven Hebrew words for praise. The first one is yada. And yada is worshiping with extended hands, just simply lifting your hands up. And the intimation with this is there's no hesitation. Just simply in your response to God, yada. I'm just going to worship you. Kind of like a toddler when they want mom or dad. You know, pick me up. I want you. I need you right now. But it's this idea of just instant, man, my hands just shoot up. Here I am, God, right here with you. And in Psalm 67, verse 3, it says, Let the peoples praise yada, you God. Let all the peoples praise you. So here in this psalm, uh, this word yada, specific. Remember, there are seven Hebrew words. They have different meanings, but all mean praise, but very specific elements to them, yada. 111 times this is used. It, yes, great participation. Love it. Right? Yada. Just simply raising your hands. It's used 111 times in the Psalms. Now, the next uh, Hebrew word we see is halal. And halal is exuberant <laughs> celebration. And this one, I am probably under certain circumstances, more uncomfortable than others. In terms of my singing, no problem. But the way this is used, if you notice that word halal, uh, is the root for hallelujah. And we get big and bombastic songs like the hallelujah chorus. Uh, and uh, what I would encourage people to think about and what we see with this word halal is just the joyous, the, the huge... Uh, kind of set your inhibitions aside. So in Psalm 150, verse 6, uh, here we see King David saying, let everything that breathes praise, halal, the Lord, hallelujah. And in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, and he is halaling. I'm not sure if I can. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and make that. A word, but he was giving God halal, right? He was praising God. He was dancing. I, I will spare you my poor dancing skills, but he was so connected with God and just praising him and worshiping him and bringing this Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem that he is halaling. And everyone, his wife in particular, thinks he's drunk. She admonishes him afterward to say, just what an embarrassment you were to me. But this is the idea with halal. Who cares what anyone thinks? This is what your shower and this is what your car are for. You get to praise God, talk to him however you want, right? It's all fair play. But let us practice this halal where we give God our absolute praise, exuberant celebration. 
Okay, here's the third Hebrew word, and this is zamar. And zamar is to celebrate in song or music. This is what we do every week. It is an important part of our giving God praise. And it's both in instrumentation and singing. So every time uh, we get to hear Matt on the drums, I get excited because I love the way he worships. Because he's giving God his praise with those instruments, with that drum, right? Psalm 57, 7 says, my heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. And the word sing here, or the word praise here is for zamar, which is to uh, sing those praises to God. And what's interesting with this particular psalm in Psalm 57, this is when David was actually hiding in the cave. King Saul is after him. He's fearing for his life. And what is David doing? He is zamaring because that's the word that's being used here for praise. He is worshiping God. He is singing to him. So even when we're walking through challenges in our life, will we zamar and give God our praise? This is the challenge I think that we get this morning. The fourth word in Hebrew is tauda. Tauda. Now, it might sound familiar to you like yada. Tauda also is us extending hands, but there's a little addition to this. Not only do we lift our hands in praise to God and extend them to him, but it's done with great expectation. It's with expectation to see God move to see God work in our lives in some way, for God to be present with us. So if you look at Psalm 56, verses 11 and 12, they say, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? I am obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thanksgiving or praise, those words are interchangeable, tauda, sacrifices to you. So the idea here is just simply that even when we're facing difficulties or struggles or challenges in our life, we can tauda, we can give God our praise in expectation of him doing something for us. And David does this when he's in Gath. He's been captured. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the particular people he was captured by. So I'm just going to set that aside. But he was captured. And as he was waiting, he taudas. He gives God the praise because he knows that God is going to rescue him. And the challenge here is that sometimes we don't know how long is that going to take. Is it going to be a minute? Is it going to be five minutes? Is it going to be an hour, weeks, months, years? We don't know. But it's keeping our eyes fixed and giving God praise because he is worthy of that praise. The next word that we see in Hebrew to give God praise is barak. Barak, which is kneeling before God. Right? I know a lot of people who will do this in their prayer time as a way to posture themselves before God and acknowledge his holiness and that he is worthy of our praise. In Psalm 100, verse 4, says this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless barak. His name. And so in this posture, we acknowledge God's goodness. And interestingly, David uses this word barach in Psalm 100 six times. He is trying to make a point in terms of how do we come before our God. 
And this word barach is used 289 times in the Psalms. I mean, think about that. There's 150 Psalms. That's almost it being used twice for every Psalm. Not that it occurs in every Psalm, but you get the idea of how much this is used. And this is, an, this is a posture I know I need to do more. The next Hebrew word is tehillah. Tehillah. And this is a spontaneous song of praise. God, I worship you. You are holy. It doesn't have to rhyme. It, does, it doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to be a catchy tune. It's just simply what's inside of you and you connecting with your holy God, you break out in spontaneous songs. The book of Psalms is actually referred to as the Tehillim, which is a whole book of songs and us giving God our praise. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, but you are holy, enthroned on the praises, Tehillah, of Israel. So important for us to connect with God. Again, this is the value of your car and your shower. Who cares? Who hears you? I guess the car, if you have other people in the car with you, I'll leave that to you. But those can be safe places for us to practice this. God is worthy of our praise. And this word, Tehillah, occurs 25 times in the Psalms. And then the last Hebrew word for us this morning, the one of the seven, is Shabbat. Shabbat! It's a shout. It is a holy roar, and it is something that I just don't think we do enough of. Danny, where are you? Do it, Danny. Come on. Ah. He was a little nervous earlier because I told him, Danny, first, first gathering, I didn't hear you. He goes, well, I'm not supposed to do that. I said, I know, but I'm giving you permission today. <laughs> but this is Shabbat, where we raise a holy roar. Psalm 145, the psalm that we're looking at today, uh, it says this in Psalm 145. It says, one generation will declare Shabbat, your works, to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts and we don't seem to have any problem doing this at sporting events or concerts, do we? We all raise our voice just perfectly fine. And then we get into church and we're like, mm, mm, can I do this in church? Is this legal? Yes, it's legal. And this, and this morning, I want us to practice saying this Hebrew word at the top of our lungs. So I'm going to count to three and I want to hear a holy roar. You saying Shabbat with me. One, two, three. Shabbat! Okay, now, Tracy, you were here first hour. Was that a little bit louder than first gathering? Yeah, okay. You guys came in ready to go this morning, which I appreciate. You know, not that it's all about competition, but I do appreciate a good... But this is Shabbat, that we would just get comfortable praising God in these different ways. So you have these seven Hebrew words, and I want to give us opportunity to practice it this morning. So I want to make a bit of a shift um, and move away from us talking about one Psalm, Psalm 145. And the whole focus of the Old Testament and the Psalms, of course, is to point to the New Testament and toward Jesus. And this morning, I wanted us to be able to celebrate communion together as we're worshiping and praising God. And we can't do that without 
stopping and acknowledging Jesus and his importance. So even though in the Old Testament, everything's leading toward him, after the last prophet spoke, it was hundreds of years before Jesus was born and came to earth. And if you're not familiar with that, just let me briefly, this, this is important for us understanding communion. Because Jesus is God. And here he was in heaven with God, the Father, and he came to earth on a rescue mission. He came to rescue us because God is holy and perfect. And remember Adam and Eve, and they left the garden because of their sin, and we've been sinning ever since. There had to be a payment for that sin because God is holy and cannot be near or anywhere around that. And so Jesus, not equality, not uh, regarding equality with God, something to be grasped. He leaves heaven, he comes to earth and takes the form of a human, certainly first as a baby and then growing up to become a man, to die on a cross for us. Because the only payment of penalty for that sin that would satisfy God was holiness itself. And that was Jesus because he was perfect. And so here he dies for us. And not just dies, but then three days later, he overcomes death, proving that he is God. And so anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For it is with our mouth that we believe that Jesus died and he rose from the dead. And it's in our hearts that we believe that God raised him from the dead. And so when we call on Jesus's name, he promises to save us, to make a way for us to have relationship with the Father. And that night in that upper room with his disciples, he shared communion with them, a last meal, where he broke bread and he shared a cup of wine. And when he broke that bread, he said, this is my body broken for you, talking about his impending death. And then this cup is the cup in the new covenant of my blood, just poured out for you. He tells them to eat and to drink as a way to remember him. So here we are thousands of years later, and I want us to do something a little bit different this morning as we celebrate communion together and as we remember Jesus. Whether you're a regular attender here at LifePoint or you're from another church, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome. We have tables up here in the front with the communion elements. And you can receive those at any time. I've asked the worship team to come back out and to lead us in worship, but I want us to do it a little bit differently this morning. I, I just want to let, let it breathe. Let this time breathe. You don't have to rush up here, but during this, these songs, feel free to practice these seven Hebrew words that we learned today. Maybe you'll be in a place of zamar. You're just going to sing along with the worship team. And maybe, yada, I need my daddy this morning. I just, I need to connect with him. Or maybe you're in a place where it needs to be tauda. Man, I've got stuff going on, but God, I'm going to trust you and believe in you. Or maybe you use right in front of your chair or the, the, the stairs here, and you just need to barak before God and worship him and praise him. Or maybe... Even during the music, you shabach. It's okay. I'm giving you permission. Danny. Yeah. Do it. 
This is permission today. However you want to worship our God, we're going to have an extended time to worship him and celebrate and remember the sacrifice that he made for us as you celebrate communion. So permission to just let this breathe, take your time. And then at the end of our singing together, I have a few other things uh, to close off our time together. So let's come to God when you're ready to receive communion and use this place. Let's worship our God this morning.
Nothing else. 
but you I'm caught up in your presence and I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy Praise God. Amen. You may go ahead and be seated. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that time of worship. All eyes to you, all praise to you. You alone are worthy of our praise. And we all said, Amen. And then let's Shabbat together. Amen. Come on. Yeah. All right, before I let you go, just real quick, uh, next step for this week, and it's just one, really simple, and that is to practice praising God this week in one of these seven ways. Using these words, you can take one word a day, you can do all seven each day, break them up however you want, but I would encourage you to practice these. Again, yada, right? Just the extension of the hand straight up to God as a way to praise him, or halal, hallelujah, Right? The exuberant expression. I saw some people moving around. <laughs> oh, you guys are taking pictures. Okay. <laughs> like, what's going on? You look great. <laughs> taking pictures of you. <laughs> so halal. Practice that exuberant. Again, the car and the shower, great places. No one else can be with you. Right? Just give God that expression. Zamar. Right? Use your voice. Use the instruments whatever way we can to praise God. Or the tauda with expectation, even as you're walking through the hard stuff, and I get it, sometimes it can feel like challenges in our life are going on and on and on, and they take a while, but even in that, to expectantly wait on God and trust him because he is good and he is worthy of our praise. And then Barach, right? That we're going to kneel before our God because he is holy and worthy of that praise. Remember how many times that is used in the, in the uh, Psalms themselves, 289 times. And then Tahila. Just sometimes you just need to break out in a song. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to be in pitch. It doesn't have to sound great because God looks on your heart and it's just about you connecting with him. And then Shabbach, right? The, the shouts, the giving God our praise, the amens, the hallelujahs, whatever you want to do to express that praise to him, but that we would do that this week. And so here is our prayer for this week. And I want us to read this prayer with some gusto. I want us to say it as loudly as you want to say it, but I want us to say this together, practicing what we've already been talking about. So lift your hands, kneel, whatever you want to do to feel comfortable, to give God our praise, but let 
pray this and keep praying this week. But on the count of three, let's all say this together. One, two, three. Heavenly Father, we praise you for loving the world and sending your son Jesus to rescue us from our sin. We worship you and humble our hearts before you as the only true God and one who can save us. We raise our hallelujah and hands stretched toward you and knees bowed before you. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, just a few things before I let you go. I want to remind you of uh, that are coming up here this week. First thing today, right after this gathering, we're going to have a family meeting. If you want to know what's going on in the life of the church, what's coming up, just to get to know us better, this family meeting would be a great place for you to come today. And then Wednesday, we've got our fully engaged class. If you want to know what it is to be a member here And what does it mean to be fully engaged at LifePoint? You can pre-register, go online. We would love to see you here on Wednesday. And then next week, we're going to be doing a brand new series in our Bible in a year, and it's called Next. So next week, show up for Next, and we would uh, love to see you and have you be a part of that. And then lastly, this afternoon, trunk or treat. We care about your kids so much. We've got a ton of candy, and we want to give it to them as well as bounce houses and all kinds of prizes, fun to be had. So we want to make sure you are here at four o'clock. We do still have a couple of volunteer opportunities for the bounce houses so the kids don't go flying and no adult supervision. So if you are interested, please stop by the Connection Center. Let them know that you would be willing to help with that. And we would appreciate that. God bless you. And we will see you all next week. Amen.